What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Burnt Toast Board Game Podcast, just the crust edition. Uh, we're coming today. We're talking uh, with some awesome game designers, uh, but we're going to get to that in a second. I'm here with Tim. Hey. Jeremy. Hey, Zach. David. Hey, I'm a squirrel. I'm Zach, and we're also here with Aaron and Austin of Dr. Hello. Wits, right? Hello. Wits. Yeah. Dr. Wits. That's right. Uh, and they are uh, some game designers that are working on an awesome game that's coming out soon, and you can pre-order it called Robotech Reconstruction. And we're going to be reviewing that uh, as well in the coming future, if not past. I can't remember where what our publication system timing will be, but <laughs> um, but yeah. But we wanted to invite them on to our podcast. We played uh, their game a couple weeks ago with them, um, and it was a lot of fun. But more, we wanted to just kind of get to know them a little bit more and learn about their game, their history, how they got into it, and things like that. So before we go anywhere, uh, Aaron and Austin, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself um, that you'd want just the general public to know, I guess? So why aren't you an econ major? An econ major? An econ major, of course. I don't, I don't know. My job is, is, is I'm an econ professor. Well, sorry. And I always want to know why, why people are not econ majors. That's actually a, a, I think it's the most a, wonderful thing in the world. That's a valid question because I remember in high school, I took econ class and I loved it. Yep. And I always thought this would probably be a really fun career to go into. But <laughs> sadly, it is not what I pursued in life. So I apologize on behalf of all of us that didn't do it. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that's that, that's cost. <laughs> you, you yeah, that sounds just like an econ cool. major major to ask that question. I don't. I don't yeah, only econ majors really <laughs> ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, uh, I'm I'm Austin, and uh, I am a, a video editor with a, a small but growing communications agency in the Washington D.C. region. As my day and, job. So. Awesome. Cool. And and we've we've been been playing board games together since high school. Well, that was that was one of my first questions. Was I was going to say how how did you guys get connected in the realms to start designing and making games together in that way? Well, that that involves talking about my bat first party, so I don't know if we're quite there yet. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a that's a little bit later. But okay, okay, if we, okay. If we roll back the clock just a little bit, um, <laughs> back to high school, uh, Aaron and I uh, met through the our 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 high school's model United Nations. Okay. Yes. Okay. But along the way, where there was a group of us that was uh, playing a whole lot of diplomacy. Oh yeah, yeah. Which which we really had a, a good group. We had what at least once a month, maybe more of in person games of diplomacy amongst kids, you know, our age or a year or two older or younger. Right, yeah. and there was like nine of us. So yeah. no matter who could show up or not, there was always a group of seven available. Now, how long did an average game of diplomacy take you? That's my question, because my brother and his friends played it in high school all the time, and it took them hours to play. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so show up at, at like 11.30, games began at noon, we had dinner at 6, and then it usually went for a couple more hours after that. Wow, wow. So it could be like Happy a gloomhaven or something like that. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> long series of A couple rounds, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's a trick to it. Aaron, should I dive into the trick, or do we want to skip over that? <laughs> oh, no, dive in, dive in, right? They always sure, sure. Okay, so so the thing about diplomacy is that it is a notoriously long game, but our what our group did was we added a small rule 
changed, we added a rule to the game that actually allowed us to finish it within that eight, you know, seven, eight hour timeline, which was that we allowed two or more, two or three people, as long as they controlled two thirds of the board to ally together to have a joint victory. Mm. So we, we allowed the game to end early and also somewhat mimic the geopolitics of uh, Grand Alliance's uh, ending the game beforehand, which also, because Diplomacy is a notorious game of, uh, you know, you, you play the game to lose friends, not make friends. Okay. Having this one small rule change also allowed the, the, the larger group to stay coherent and not necessarily always mad at each other. Because while you would always get backstabs in the game, you would always have joint wins in the game as well. And that really Aaron, helped Aaron, keep the Aaron, you're, you're not invading me. No, no, I'm not invading you. You, you, go, you go invade France, Jeremy. I'll just sit here quietly. <laughs> hey, wait a second. Why are all your units on my border? Doesn't matter anymore. You're too busy in France. I'm just going to take Germany. There you go. <laughs> so you guys must yeah. have made oh. enough alliances that you guys stayed friends so yeah. you could actually make a game there later on in your life. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, oh, hey, I'm Turkey and Austria-Hungary and Russia have been fighting me the entire game, but now they need my two supply centers. Well, one supply center in order to <laughs> meet the victory threshold. Sure, I'll join you guys in a joint victory. Exactly. I there, you go. I won. there you go. There you go. So you play games in, in high school. You played diplomacy a lot in high school. Uh, and obviously you guys stayed friends throughout that. Now you guys are further apart. But what... You say it all goes to your bachelor party. We don't need all the details, but yeah, what what led you to <laughs> led you to to be like, hey, let's let's make some games together. I don't well, feel like that's you, you a casual do, conversation. You actually do need you actually do need most of the details in order to actually oh, understand okay, how okay. that went down. If, if Tyson was there, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so picture this: it's summer. It's the hottest day of the year, and we're. Doing a and our bachelor party is basically playing some pickup basketball outside. Oh wow. man, hottest day of the year! Yeah, in DC, in DC, DC. yeah, so it's yeah. Much I, was, I was in DC yeah. too at that point. So, as you can imagine, we didn't last very long at doing the basketball thing. <laughs> yeah, weakling, weaklings, weaklings. <laughs> yep. No, that's so a good, that's a good we all to... huddled underneath a pavilion. Oh. We all huddled underneath a pavilion and started downing Gatorades, downing water. And Aaron and I are like, well, we need to do something. Yeah. So <laughs> we're pass it over to Aaron if he remembers what happens next. So I'd already been complaining to Austin about board games that were using economic themes, themes, but we're not actually using economic models. Mm. And we, we just played a game earlier that year called Market Madness where we completely broke it. Oh. And okay. so I was, I was going into this bachelor party already with the plan of pushing him to help me rewrite the rules for Daytona 500 mm. so that it would behave like a uh, stock market with naked short selling. Gotcha. But, you know, we didn't have the tone of 500 with us, but we had rocks. Pavilion. <laughs> we had cars. Yes, we had rocks that became cars. Yep. Okay. And so you guys just and created the game on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
And yeah. and so then from that you're like, hey, why don't we do this more? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, what we what we really yeah. said was, hey, let's uh let's turn these let's let's not have these be rocks and let's you know get some pieces and let's flesh this out and yeah. you know then that's one thing led to another led to another. I mean, we 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 put together a a prototype that we thought was nifty, and we said to ourselves, you know, we we have this favorite local convention in D.C. called uh, Congress of Gamers. And you know, one time we went, they had this place where people tried out prototypes. Hmm. Let's, let's take this here. Maybe, maybe people will try it out and tell us if it's any good or not. Hmm. Yeah. And it worked. I mean, wow. it had problems, like all, all board games yeah, do at their yeah. start. But, but for the most part, it worked. And we got a couple people excited about it. And they said, you, you should take this to these other conventions that are all about testing prototypes. And said sure and, and just kept going from there and it's actually at that convention where we actually developed the name full name of dr witz mm, okay. there was a guy there a board games are named paul owen who wrote an, an after report of the convention he talked about our game oh nice and he assumed that we both all had our doctorates <laughs> which wasn't true at the time i was still going to grad school and I never got mine, but I'm happy honorary to be an honorary doctor. So when you so when you ask me why I'm not an economist, I go, well, technically. Well, <laughs> so so you created that game, and did that game all go all the way to publication, or is that one that's still on the back burner? That's one that's looking for a home. I mean, generally, as as a board game designer, yeah, you you make about. Four to eight games for every game you get published. Oh wow! Yeah. So you, you know we we have a list of games that we call shelf ready, which are that they're good enough that they could be picked up by a publisher. It's just whether or not we could convince one to do it. Yeah. Gotcha. So of your so how many games have you guys created together then, and, and with all of that? Uh, that's a hard number to figure out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, how many how many games do you have shelf ready and how many games have you published? That might be an easier number to think of. I have to pull up the spreadsheet. All right. We're, oh no! Oh no! Right, because we got we have three published games. Oh, well, we got three and a fourth one that's signed. Fourth and a fourth one that's been signed. Nice. Right, signed, not published. Uh, I'm looking at our shelf ready. We've got another four in the shelf ready. Yep. And Is then if including... I go to the game incubator, well. Because of course we have to keep we have to keep track of all of this stuff. You know, yes. we got to keep records. Of yeah, of this. course. Is is that shelf ready one? Is that including the very first one that you guys made with the rocks? And then, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That one's that one's now called bookies and betters. That's mm. yes. That's now called bookies and betters, and that is and, absolutely in there. Nice. And, I'd and love to play that one. <laughs> yeah, you would. We'd, we'd love to play it with you. But the key thing about that game is it was meant to be a racing game where you're betting with the other players and not with some magical, mis mysterious house that doesn't actually exist. Oh, got you. Hmm. Gotcha. It makes me think a little bit of like Camel Up, but in Camel Up, the there's oh, a yeah. house, there's a there's a bank in the middle, kind of thing. But yeah, yeah like but the the betting is it doesn't drive the racing. It just the camels just move. Um, yeah, see, in this in bookies and betters, the bettings drive the racing. Yeah, and the betting's a little bit different from other games because in bookies and betters, the only way you make money on a bet is if you know something that someone else 
doesn't. If everyone knows what place a horse is going to finish in, why would you make that bet? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to bet a horse is going to finish in fifth place if you also know it's going to finish in fifth place. There's no money for us to make. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Huh. So let me ask this question. So we are a bunch of nobodies that don't know game design. Like, we've played a bunch <laughs> of games now. But my, my question is, like, as I was thinking about talking to you guys and just kind of picking your brain, like, what is it... So you have a bunch of games you guys have designed now, but, like, what's the... What is it that causes you to, like... Where do you start? Like, is it you just are walking around and you think, oh, that's a clever mechanic. I wonder if I could twist it in this way. Or what is it that just... Like, where do you start when it comes to game design? So we're strong believers in... We've written about this on, on our blog. So doctor.wits.com is filled with a bunch of board game advice if, if you, anyone's looking to get into board gaming. Awesome. And we always believe in the idea of what's called a controlling idea, which is there's an experience we want you to have. And, and that experience can be aspired from a variety of things. Typically for us, we're heavily influenced by political models, economic models, I want to watch these things that we like to call real world mechanics. Yeah. Basically yeah. the mechanics that we take, like we look to the, to the world and to, to the, to reality and say, Oh, here's a thing that actually happens. What, what, let's see, let's see what we can do with that. Yeah. Something because, you can teach in real... class, right? Hmm. Some, yeah, actually. Well, <laughs> kind of, yeah. if we point out, I mean, yeah. What we say is because I mean, again, because because like Aaron says, he's right that like we're looking at these mechanics, but the but the base of it is always that controlling idea, that core experience that we want people to have. So we're not necessarily yeah. trying to teach you something. Yeah. What we're we're saying is that there's a lot of stuff in the world that's actually a very competitive game. Yeah. And people don't realize it, mm-hmm. and so we can take those those situations and we can bring them to board games, hmm. and. Sometimes we can be very open about where it comes from. Yeah. Bookies and betters, I mean, is a naked short selling model. Or sometimes, really, if we were to get into the details, we might scare our audience. So, like, we have a game called New Jersey Syndicate, all about taking control of the mob after the Don has, has passed away. Mm. And yeah. it's a great deduction game that no one realizes is actually about mortgage-backed securities. yeah that's not maybe the 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 talking the elevator pitch that gets people on board for it no exactly short yeah 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 well yeah but when when you say hey we got this great 20 minute deduction we got this great 20 minute thinking deduction game where you're also trying to get glean information off of your opponents where there's bluffing and all that like you start to hammer in on that pitch yeah Sounds fun to me. I'd play it. Yeah. Maybe not David. Exactly. He's not he's not a huge deduction social deduction game. Well, fan. it it depends well, no, on how it's done. Yeah. It is it is not a social deduction oh, game. Oh, okay. No. No, no, no. This this is a pure deduction game where you're just everyone's taking their turns and they're playing things and you're just trying to read oh, okay. what the other person knows and doesn't know. Oh mm-hmm. gotcha. You're, you're you're trying to hide something from someone. And so you, you're, and they're, everyone's trying to hide something from somebody. So you're trying to figure out what they're trying to hide. And you're trying to hide your thing at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. That sounds I mean, fun. No, it sounds good to me. Yeah. I tried out. Is that a shelved one or is that one that's out there? 
That's also that's also on the the shelf right. Oh man, we got to get all these oh, shelf games awesome out there. Shelves, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, raid those. So shelves. then let's pivot now to you. You we played with Austin a couple weeks ago. Robotech Reconstruction. Um, this is a game that is being published because you can pre-order it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the game and a little bit of how you got into the world of creating a game on Robotech? So when you're a, yeah. So when you're a, 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 when you're a designer, one of the hardest things you need to do is get your games play tested. Mm. And so, um, in the mid Atlantic region, there's a number of smaller designers or smaller uh, board game companies that will host like monthly get togethers. Oh, cool. And um, I was going to one uh, put together by Steve Cole of Escape Velocity Games. And at these meetups where we're, where we're play testing each other's games, uh, ended up meeting the uh, the 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 owners the yeah owners of uh, strange machine games and you know I'd I'd been going to these event you know I've been going to these events for years but they had the Robotech IP and oh, at I one am. of these meetings they're like have you ever seen the show and I'm like no I I haven't seen the show before but I like anime and they're like oh, you should see the show I was like okay. And I watched it and because I watched it with the gamer brain on because of how it came from, because where the request kind of came from, I came back and was like, okay, so I got two game ideas out of that. And I described the first one and they're like, no, 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 we got that. That's called attack of the SDF one. You can get it now. <laughs> and then I described, and I described the second one where I'm like, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's set in the reconstruction era multiple factions each with their own goal and he goes hey so they and they said well we don't have anything in that time period in our lineup so go put something together and let's see let's see how that works so so ran with it um and is the reconstruction you know, yeah, era is i have not also i've also not seen the show is the reconstruction era part of the show or is it kind of a post the seasons of the show type era Oh There's boy, the... Aaron! Should I go into the detail about that one? <laughs> I'll, 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 give, I'll, give, I'll give the short version. I'll give the short. You give the short version. Okay, okay. This this is this is a three season anime. Yeah. And in the first season, there's the first Robotech War, and the Reconstruction Era is dealing with rebuilding after the war. Gotcha. After society devastated, after you have all these people who are sort of forced together who had never planned being together. Where do you go from here? And that's uh, and, season two, season within three. The arc, at, at, within the, the arc of the show, it's the last nine episodes of season one. Oh, got yeah. So we're, we're dealing with about a year of time, a highly compressed series of events. And when I watch that, I'm like, oh, hey, the main characters are involved in a, in essentially a counterinsurgency war against a bunch of terrorists, but they don't consider it as such, which is why they kind of lose, even though they're the good guys. And mm. well, so I see that and it's like, oh, wait, yes, there is a game there because it's not only these two factions, but there's this independence movement going on and there's factions within factions that are vying for it. It's like, OK, there's something here. Yeah, there's something good here. 
Now here's the oh, go ahead. political model. Yeah, it's, it's a true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Now here's a here's a question that uh, somebody that's listening might be wondering because I, I had never heard of Robotech until you guys reached out and asked if we wanted to play the game. Did it, have any of you heard of Robotech before this? No. 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 Uh, so my question to you now I know because we've played it and we'll talk about that, but. For you, it, do you think what somebody might say, but I don't know what Robotech is, so I probably won't care about the game. Would you say someone needs to know the Robotech story to enjoy the game? That's a great question because, honestly, I haven't seen a single episode of Robotech. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But when we when we worked on this game, we've purposely divided up roles. I mean, we, we always knew that part of the audience were Robotech fans. But as soon as we also realized that this game was being built around a counterinsurgency, that there's particular games like this, most famous GMT's coin series mm-hmm. or leader games root, there's people who like this type of game. So Austin's primary job was we need to make this a Robotech game so the Robotech fans like it. And my primary job was, yes, but we need someone who can still enjoy this game without knowing a thing about Robotech. Yeah. Because we have people like this type of game. And they still need to be able to access this game to play it. And so we did that on purpose to try to make it accessible to both audiences. I can see that yeah, because might... I, I think that worked with all of all four of us. We liked that type of game and it just it it worked well. I liked the game. Yeah, I we didn't know anything about mechanic Robotech to it before. Yeah, yeah. I did want to watch Robotech after watching. I did the too, game. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't on any of my streaming devices though. <laughs> YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. I mean, yeah, it, it was fun being a lore head and having to really dive into the lore, which is why I have to ask Aaron, like, should I really get into the technical side of this? Because <laughs> I don't know how deep we want to go here. Um, but like what, what's really fun is, you know, now that we're starting to go to conventions again, pl- showing this game off to someone else who's really deep into the Robotech lore, they look at it and then they turn to the person that they're sitting with and they start explaining everything. Yeah, and I get to just sit back and be like, "Yep, they're getting everything right. It's all right there. Oh, this is so great. I don't have to say a thing because he's just <laughs> explaining all of the stuff <laughs> that's pertinent." Now, speaking of game conventions, you guys—I think I saw. Did you guys just go to the Gamma convention? Our publisher, Stream- Gamma. Our publisher was. Oh, yeah. your publisher. So you weren't there. there. I was going to ask how it went. So, do, have you heard how it went for the game? Did a lot of people play it and like it? I, I don't have an update on that. No. Uh, we'll assume it went great. Yeah. Pre-orders <laughs> out the wazoo. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I was so excited because I was like, oh, I can ask you how the convention went. And you could rip it. So never mind. I guess you guys weren't there. I'm sure it went amazing, though. Sure it went amazing. Uh, do you guys have any? Oh, we're, we're getting geared up for Gen Con. I was going to say, do you have a convention yeah. you're getting ready to go to? Nice. And when's, when's Gen Con for you guys? August? Yeah. yeah. Late, this year? Uh, yeah. Gen Con's in August. Um, and actually, if you're talking about the very next thing, which of course is going to have already happened by the time this goes out, but I'm oh, going yeah. to going to be demoing it at Washington, which mm-hmm. is a local convention uh, in Washington so. D.C. or Washington, in Washington D.C. Oh, okay, fine. Oh, no, in Washington D.C. Yeah, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm from Zach Washington was State, excited. so he I was, was like, excited. I'm going. I'm going Washington. Road trip. <laughs> nice. What, Road trip. What, what part of Washington State? Uh, I'm originally from Olympia, Washington. Okay. So I grew. I spent all my years from third grade till I graduated high school and moved away. In Which Olympia. is somewhat by Seattle. Yeah. Well, it's the, the capital of Washington. Coast. People know where that no, is. No, not on the East Come Coast. Come on. My, my, my sister is in Issaquah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I, at some point in my life, I lived up there near Issaquah. I don't remember exactly where, but, okay. but anyway, nice. Uh, do you guys have any questions that I haven't asked? Well, you were both. So what is the weather like in Washington? Uh, rainy, a lot, really rainy, really rainy. <laughs> in Idaho um, today, it was seventy-four. Yeah, it was really nice here in yeah. Idaho. Yeah, really nice it's always Idaho. sunny here. Shorts and flip-flops for me. It's true. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to ask, mm. David? Well, uh, you guys were both in uh, uh, the Model UN together. Were you guys able to uh, finagle any rules there, or, or was that pretty uh, strongly moderated by others? So, Model UN creativity is allowed. It's really dependent on your GM, just just like any sort of RPG. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. so some 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 DMs are very controlling. Some DMs let it go whatever way you want it to go. Okay, but but it's matter? all very. No matter what settings, it's all very negotiation based, and, and it really shows up. I mean, it's one reason why I think we like playing diplomacy. But a number of games we play, it's all very personality driven and the games that we design the games we like to play really like to to focus on players playing people like you would in model UN because there, there's nothing in really in between you and the other person there or in the random things that suddenly appear like oh no this group has nuclear weapons now mm. and you go <laughs> into your, your country like shoot what does this mean for me what does it mean for i'm working with what do i want out of this do I need to hide? Is this my time where I need to hide so I don't get in trouble? You know, like those sort of problems hmm. because it's all about the relationships you have with the other people in that room. Just like, you know, you've been playing Road Tech Reconstruction. A big part of Road Tech Reconstruction is you're having to work or strategically not work with other players mm-hmm. based on what you need to accomplish, just like you would at a Model UN conference. And, and you see that in a lot of our designs, right? If, if you were to play You Fool, which is from Bottom Shy Games, mm-hmm. it's a game about clowns coming out of clown cars to make a pyramid. Not bad, right? Except <laughs> three people know what cards are going to move what clowns where, and they can't show it to anybody. And the person who gets to make the decision on who gets to move where doesn't actually get to see the movement cards. Mm-hmm. And so it forces you to, again to have that sort of direct interaction with other players about mm. do I believe you? Do I trust you? Is it in our interest to work together? Are you just trying to try to fool me? Which, you know, this time, no, that, this is a social game. Right. It's nice. a social game where only one player will lose. Mm. So yes. if you lose, you're the, f- you, you're the fool. Gotcha. Um, oh, okay. But and just hide to your face. Oh, well, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. naturally, if you're a clown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Naturally. Naturally. Um, I don't know. Going back to the, I mean, back to the origin. I mean, the question was, you know, interesting things seen in Malu, and then like two things, two times come to mind. One year, our the the team that I was on, we were with the United States. One player was in the uh, Historical Security Council. Somehow, they were able to convince Brazil to send a whole bunch of troops into Vietnam. Kind of funny. <laughs> wow. Um, in the seventies, and then one year. Uh, and I will never forget this somehow. And there, the United States, and now this is modern. So the United States and North Korea had a big peace treaty brokered by, I think it was Albania. Wow. <laughs> and while they made, while everybody made a big deal about it, we're all sitting back in the corner being like, yeah, this is, this, this would never fly. This is, this is not how this would be done. Nice. But, 
But the scary thing is, no, a lot of these issues we know with people dealing with people. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, what you discover, like I, I did a, I had an internship in a political department or U.S. State Department at one point. Mm -hmm. and, and what I realized at that internship was that real life was just like Model UN. It's just that, you know, in the sense that people go to conferences, some people are there because they really care what's going on. Some people are just there to get drunk. And so you have all the same interpersonal problems like you do in a, any sort of RPG board game or simulation game or Model UN in real life. It's, it's the same thing. It's mm. just that now people's lives actually matter. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Playing for, for keeps for all the pogs. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, cool. Right. Austin and uh, and Aaron, uh, this is your moment to plug wherever people can find you. And I know you have uh, Robotech Reconstruction is coming, is able to pre-order soon. It's not yet, right? No, right now it's basically your last chance. Oh, last chance to pre-order. Pre so now's the time. Because so right. soon. So plug all your websites and everywhere where people can find you. Okay. So if you're looking for the pre-order button, you need to go to the Strange Machine Game website. Mm -hmm. And go to Rotec Reconstruction, and you can pre-order the game there for thirty-five dollars plus shipping. But be careful! Like, if you hear this podcast and you wait a day, it might literally be a day too late. We it's are possible. almost to the point of pressing the final button for production, and when that happens, the pre-order will end, and you will have to wait for it to go sale at full price. Gotcha. But you can find us. We have a website pr.wictz.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the same handle at pr.wictz. Well, awesome. That's, that is the best thing about having a, uh, a unique moniker like this. All you have to do is type into Google WICTZ and you will find us somewhere. That's true. You probably as are really easy to be Google. As long as Google doesn't autocorrect the spelling. That's the spelling true. <laughs> That's true. Well, Aaron and Austin, I want to thank you guys for coming and hanging out here on the Burn Toast Podcast and just kind of sharing with us a bit of your story and a bit of how you guys got to where you are now and a bit more about your game design, um, just philosophies and how you work and just a little bit about you guys. And we really appreciate uh, you guys coming on. Um, and yeah, so thanks for your time. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank so, you for having us. Yeah, for sure. So for all of you people listening, be sure to head out there. And like, as always, um, if you're listening to us on a podcast service, we appreciate if you'd rate us um, and share us with your friends. You can also find out more about this episode. And we'll even link their websites and accounts uh, on our website, which is theburntoastpodcast.com. Uh, but until next time, go out there, find some rocks, uh, and invent a game, Jeremy. But until then. <laughs> uh, good talking, base.